This morning I'm just going to ask you a very simple question and then I'm going to go into a story that I hope will kind of illustrate what it is I'm trying to say this morning. How many of you have ever known people that no matter what is going on around them, they have the unique ability to somehow make it whatever it is about themselves? You ever known someone like that? So it doesn't matter what the activity is, it doesn't matter what the event is, it doesn't matter what the situation is, it doesn't matter what someone else's story may be, somehow there is enough in that moment that they are able to somehow bring it back to themselves and make it, again, whatever it may be, about them. Such people exist, don't they? All right. That in mind, I want to share a quick story with you, not because I think you are overly concerned with what I'm about to tell you, but I think, again, it illustrates an important thought as to where we are headed, an important point. But uh, uh, this coming Wednesday, all right, this coming Wednesday, it will be uh, December 2nd, and that will be when my grandma officially turns 90 years old. Okay, and uh, I call her Meemaw, so on Wednesday, should the Lord give her till Wednesday, uh, on Wednesday she will turn 90 years old. And I've mentioned this before in messages past, that she's been blessed with very good health, and she's been blessed with strength. And so she still goes to work five days a week, and she still puts in 30-something hours a week at her job, and she, she just enjoys life. She has a spunk for life, and, and just really an attitude sometimes. She's just... she's young and spry at heart and just she's she's a, a enjoyable uh, 90 year old almost 90 year old person to be around and uh, so this week because of being thanksgiving and family already being assembled they wanted to celebrate her birthday a little early so that's why we stayed an extra day in oklahoma city uh, so that we could celebrate her 90th birthday yesterday and because it's the 90th birthday, you understand that that's kind of a big day. You know, not everyone reaches 90, and certainly not everyone reaches 90 with good health and good strength. And so it was a big day, and my mom and a couple of other family members wanted to make a big to-do about this. And so many invitations were sent out, and big meals were prepared and planned, and decorations were done. And, and this was an event that was going to be a big event on behalf of Meemaw. Well, several weeks ago... My cousin contacted me, who is uh, somewhat technologically illiterate, okay? And she said, I don't know how to do it, but I bet you do. Would you make a slideshow for us, something that we could play at Meemaw's birthday, something that would just kind of be neat for her and everyone else to watch? She said, I'll get you the pictures if you'll put it all together. So I said, that's fine. So she began sending me some pictures, and then my mom sent me some pictures, and then some other family members contributed to this. And so here I was with a, a large number of pictures that I was supposed to sort through to put together a, a slideshow to honor Meemaw. Now here's what happened. My family is no different than your family. You've got some real social weirdos. Okay, they're just—they're socially awkward. They—they are not—they just—they don't seem to function too well in what we would call normal social settings. And so here's what I began to realize: I have a lot of photos with these people in it. 
you know, here's uncle so-and-so, here's aunt so-and-so, here are cousins, here are grandkids, but this person isn't in very many pictures, or this person isn't in very many pictures. And, and, and as I was watching this, or as I was looking at this and trying to take all of it in, you know what my mind began to be worried about? My mind began to wor- be worried about this thought, this idea. Well, if so-and-so's there, they may get upset because they're not getting equal face time as another family member. They're not featured as often as they are, and their children are not featured as often as this person's child is, or, or their grandchildren are not featured as often as someone else's grandchildren. And, and so I was beginning to worry, how do I make this even to where no one decides to make this about themselves, and, and, and so where they don't have a reason to gripe and where they don't have a reason to be upset? And as I was wrestling with all this one evening, as I was staring at the computer, trying to get the slides in place and, and make it look the way it was supposed to look, you know what I finally said to myself? I said, this day is not about them. If they didn't want to have their picture taken, that's their fault. If they didn't want to show up at the family functions and the family events, that's their fault. This day is not about them. This day is all about Meemaw and honoring the life that Meemaw has lived at this point. And so whenever I came to this conclusion that the day was not about them, but the day was all about Meemaw, you know what it did? It completely took the stress off of me. So if you want to watch the slideshow, if you're upset that you're not in it as many times as maybe uncle, you know, whoever or, or, or aunt whoever, if you want to get upset that your grandchildren aren't featured as much as maybe someone else's grandchildren are, you know what, I'm sorry, but I'm not real worried about it. Because we didn't assemble today and come together today for you. We came together for Meemaw. Now, if Meemaw's not happy, if Meemaw's upset about something, if Meemaw's bothered about something, we'll address that. But since this isn't about you, since this isn't why we're here, since this isn't why the invitations were sent out, I'm not worried about it. And so if anyone left yesterday with their feelings hurt or them being upset, I don't know about it, but I can promise you this, I didn't lose any sleep over it either. It was just nice having the stress removed when I remembered this is only about her, not about everything else. Now, that in mind, this morning I want us to look in the book of Luke. Why are we going to look in the book of Luke? For this reason. Christmas is only a few days away. And I'll say more about this in a couple of moments. But it is amazing, is it not, what begins to happen in the hearts and lives and minds of people when the holidays begin to roll around. It can get crazy, it can get nuts, it can be stressful, it can get ridiculous. And so this morning I want us to just consider a couple of things, and I hope that it will be a help to us, not just today, but for the days to come. I want us to consider what has happened by the time we come to Luke chapter 2. In Luke chapter 2, we have been introduced already in the Gospels 
to a man by the name of Joseph and a woman to whom he was espoused to, a young lady by the name of Mary. Now, here's what we know. Whenever Joseph and Mary were espoused to each other, what that means is this. They had not yet formally come together in a wedding setting. They had not yet come together and consummated their relationship and began their lives together as a married man and woman. Though they were considered already husband and wife, the wedding was still something in their future. It was something that they were still planning. And I want us to think about this for just a moment. In their day and in their culture, weddings were very very much a big deal to the bride and groom and to the families. We know that those were celebrations. We know that those were things that people were involved in and participated in. We know that the very first miracle that Christ performed, or at least that we have recorded, took place at a wedding that he was attending, that he was at. And so we understand that for Joseph and Mary, according to their culture and according to their day, as they were anticipating their wedding, as they were anticipating the formal aspects of the wedding happening and taking place, no doubt it would have been something that they were excited about and something they were looking forward to. And in the midst of this excitement, in the midst of this anticipation, in the midst of the planning and the preparation and what all would have been taking place, we don't know for sure exactly, but in the midst of all this, what did Joseph and Mary learn from an angel? Well, they learned that she's going to have a child. You know this, right? Surely this isn't a new part of the story, so at least nod your head. I don't expect you to get excited, but at least act like you've heard this portion before, okay? They find out from an angel that Mary is now pregnant, or she will soon become pregnant, and she's going to become pregnant with the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, okay? And so as Joseph learns this, as Joseph hears this, this is a lot for his mind to process because he knows and she knows, Mary does as well, of the public shame that could be brought on them because in their day and in their culture, pregnancy outside of wedlock was something that brought about shame in the life of an individual. As I have said and as you know, it was not something that in their day was celebrated or thought nothing of. Okay, so here is Joseph and Mary, and as they are looking forward to their wedding, as they are looking forward to starting this new life together, their life begins to be rocked, and it begins to be turned upside down, and it begins to go a direction that they could have never envisioned, that they could have never imagined. So we begin to see that in the bigger picture of things, a lot of things are beginning to happen, and a lot of things are beginning to take place. So as we come to Luke chapter 2, we understand this. That because of a law, people were required to travel to certain locations to pay their taxes. And so it says in verse number 1, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. To be taxed, it says in verse number 5, with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. 
So here's another element of the story. Joseph and Mary have not just had their immediate plans interrupted and and changed and altered because of the news that she was pregnant with the pregnancy they could not understand and fully explain to anyone else. Now they have to travel to the city of Bethlehem to pay taxes because of a law that has been enacted. And and it says in verse number 5 that Mary was great with child. We know this, if we think about this, that that is not a position Mary would have chose to be in. The three times that Susie has been great with child, her, her thoughts and her expectations and her dreams were not, could we take a road trip? She never said to me, in any circumstance, but especially being great with child, do you think maybe we could go on a donkey ride? You understand this, please. That was not something that Susie has dreamed of. That is not something that Susie has has thought about. And ladies, you know that to be true. When you were great with children, you had one thing on your mind, and that is this. Just get the baby out. I'm just ready to have this baby. I'm just ready to be done with this pregnancy. And so here she is. She is great with child. And because of a law that has been enacted and a law that was established prior but is now being executed in their lives, they have to travel to, uh, to Bethlehem. And she does so. And, and, and this would have been a miserable, miserable experience. And it says in verse number 6, And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. What does it mean? It means this. Ready or not, here it comes. Mary was about to go into labor. Mary was about to have this baby, whether she was ready or not. Mary was going to have this baby regardless of of whether or not family was there, regardless of whether or not the circumstances were ideal, and we know they weren't. Why? Because in verse number 7 it says, And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. People have suggested that because of all the traffic that would have been created because of this tax law that the people had to submit themselves to and obey, that there would have been many more travelers going to the different cities. And so by the time Joseph and Mary arrived to Bethlehem, what would have served as an inn or what we would think of as a hotel room, something of that nature, there was no room for that. So they had to find shelter and they had to find provision someplace else but probably not a barn like we typically envision with our nativity scenes. But nonetheless, she was not in a normal, comfortable setting. There again, I want you to think about this. If you've ever been on a road trip and you've gone with somewhat of a, of a lack of plan in place, have you ever done this? That doesn't always work out so well. Sometimes when things don't work out so well, you have at least one person mentioning how if maybe we had been better prepared, things wouldn't have gone the way that they're currently going. Did you get hotel reservations? No, I just figured we'd get one when we got there. Well, do you have any idea where we're going to stay? No, I figure there'll be something available when we get there. Well, have you thought about whether or not there are going to be any rooms available? Oh, there'll be plenty of rooms available. It's going to be fine. Have you ever planned like this? Only to discover, okay, I guess we'll just keep driving. I guess we'll just keep driving. I guess we'll just keep driving. And all along, there's somebody just sitting there going, hmm, 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 hmm. Now, listen, I I don't know what Mary was like, but I do know this. She was normal. 
So they arrived to the city of Bethlehem, and I know that Joseph could not have called ahead. I understand that, but what I'm saying is this. Joseph and Mary, they get to Bethlehem, and they go to an inn. They, they, they go someplace, hopefully, expecting to, to get some kind of a shelter. No matter where they have gone, they are told there's no room here. There's no vacancy. So here's Joseph and Mary, and they've had their lives interrupted from the very beginning. We know this, and, and we know what has taken place, the trip and the, the, the pregnancy coming to an end there in Bethlehem, and she's bringing forth the son in this, this place that, that is not a normal dwelling place for men and women. This isn't what a woman would want for her first child. This is not at all what a woman would want for her first child. And in verse number 8, it says this. And they were in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven. What did the shepherds say? The shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. What did the shepherds say? The shepherds said this, Let's go look at that kid. Let's go look at that child that we've just heard about from the angels. And so it says in verse number 16, And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad this saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Now I want to pause real quick here, and I want us to think about this. Mary has just had a child in front of a husband that she has never known. That's awkward in and of itself. She is in a place that is removed from her homeland. She is in an environment that is not normal for men and women to be abiding in. She is not in a place that would be comfortable. She would not be in a situation that would be ideal for anyone in any pregnancy, but especially a first pregnancy and a first delivery. And all of a sudden, a bunch of shepherds show up. <laughs> Can you imagine? Really? Where did these guys come from? Let's humanize this for just a moment. Can you imagine if you had had a child in a less than desirable location? Under the circumstances that are less than favorable for yourself? And in the midst of all the craziness and in the midst of all the movement of what's happening here and here and what's going on and the bustling of people around you, if you'd had a child in that kind of a situation and all of a sudden complete strangers showed up, I know what Susie would have said. Would you monitor the door a little bit closer? I, I don't need complete strangers that I have never met before walking in to look at our kids. Especially if they were maybe somewhat of a rougher occupation. You know, I don't mean this wrong, but, you know, 
Say all of a sudden that we had had a child and, and, and a road crew showed up. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with a road crew. I'm just saying it's not who I would expect to show up at the birth of our children. You've got parents, you've got friends, you've got relatives and things of that nature, but, but not someone of, of an occupation that would be somewhat of a very blue-collar nature. So I, I'm just saying, so here is Joseph and Mary, and have, they've had a child in a, a distant land and, and, and unusual circumstances, and all of a sudden someone shows up or some shepherds show up, and, and this is not normal, this is not, not right, this is weird. But notice what it says in verse number 19. It says, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Everything that had happened from the time that the announcement was given to her and to Joseph, throughout the trip, throughout the, the no room in the inn, throughout the delivery of the child, throughout the, the shepherd's coming, as every bit of this happened, she, she held it in her heart and she pondered them in her heart. You don't see stress, you don't read of excitement, you don't read of anxiety, you don't read of nervousness, you don't read of him yelling at her or her yelling at him, you don't read of anything of that nature, you just read of Mary pondering these things in her heart. It's as though she's just taking it all in and she is considering it and she is mindful of it, but it's not really stressing her out like maybe it would a typical woman in a typical setting or a typical young couple in a typical setting. Now, how was Mary able to respond in the manner in which she did? I don't know for certain. I cannot say here is the book, the chapter, and the verse in the scripture that lets me know this. But here is what I think seems to be the key to Mary's response to all of this. With all the activity, with all the emotion, with all the craziness happening in her life, what kept her from getting worked up and stressful and excited and, and, and whatever else she'd like to put there? Here's what I think. I think that Joseph and Mary, especially Mary, understood that in the midst of all this activity, this was not about her. I think Joseph and Mary both knew, based upon what the angels said, based upon what they both knew, that they had never come together. They knew that this was supernatural. They knew that this was a thing that only God could have worked in their lives. And as all this was happening and the shepherds come, and, and the shepherds would have had to have explained how they even knew that a child was there. They had to have explained that the angels showed up and they sang and they did this and they did this and we said, let's go. As all this was happening, rather than the emotion and the craziness getting the best of her and stressing her out and messing her up and ruining this experience, she seems to have taken it all in stride because she and Joseph knew, you know what? This is not about us. This is about our child, Jesus Christ, the one whom the angel said would save the world from their sins. This is not about us. It is about him. Now, why is that important? It's important for this reason. 
We live in a crazy culture. We live in a crazy, messed up culture. And in just a few days, what will we as a culture be celebrating? We will be celebrating Christmas, won't we? Okay, we'll be celebrating Christmas. And, and, and I've said this so many times before. This is a preventative type message, okay? I'm trying to be a help to us this morning. Not to you, to us, okay? We live in a crazy world when it comes, or a crazy culture when it comes to Christmas. I don't know what your house is like, but guess what is already up at our house? Our Christmas tree is already up, and it's been up for several days. Susie wanted to get it up before we left town, because when we get back, it's going to be so crazy. I want the Christmas tree up now. And the Christmas decorations, what are they? They are out, and so it looks like Christmas has exploded at our house. And the kids have already made out their wish list for all the people who would be interested in what their wish list is. And this is the society that we live in, where Christmas among month out and, you know, weeks out and days out, it begins to consume the minds of people. And as this happens, what do people begin to make Christmas about? They begin to make it all about themselves. Now, now, understand, please, I'm not being bitter or, or critical here. I'm not bitter about it. I, I'm just saying this is the culture and this is the society that we live in that people make Christmas about themselves and about their families. And so what does it look like? It looks like this. Well, we need to decorate or we need to do this or we need to buy this or we need to go here or we need to participate in this. And as it gets closer and as it gets closer and as it gets, it gets closer, what happens? It only grows more crazy and it only grows more intense. Somebody says, well, that would never happen in our church. Well, first of all, you don't begin to know what happens in the home lives of everyone who sits here, mine included. But what I am saying is this. In our culture and in our society, there will be many people who by the time Christmas is done, you know what? They will be so stressed out. And they will be so miserable. And as I've said before, they'll just be glad the holidays are done. They'll just be glad it's all finished. They'll just be glad when everything gets back to normal. They'll just be glad when, when the kids have gone back to their houses and the decorations can come down. And I'm so sick of worrying about this and I'm so sick of dealing with this and I'm so tired of trying to figure out where we're going to eat lunch and I don't even want to deal with this anymore. It, it just gets so frustrating and it just gets so old. You know why people get so worked up and stressed out and irritated and bothered and angry and mad during the holidays? You know why? It's very simple. Because they've made it all about themselves. Just watch. Over the next few days, here is what you will hear, and here is what you will witness, and here is what you will observe when you watch people in their natural habitat acting according to human nature. Christmas will be all about themselves. How are y'all enjoying it? Well, we're not enjoying it. We don't have any money this year. We, we're not going to be able to do as much as we've done in the past. Whatever it may be, for most people, Christmas is not a celebratory event. 
because it becomes stressful, because it becomes a burden, because they have made it all about themselves. And so this morning, what I want to do just very quick and just for a couple of moments is this. I want to remind us of this truth, that Christmas has never been and will never be about us. I know for many that'd be like, what? I'm, I'm serious. Christmas has never been and will never be about us. If we are going to take a biblical position to the reason we even observe or celebrate Christmas. There is nothing wrong with the tree. From my perspective, there is nothing wrong with exchanging of gifts. There is nothing wrong with meals being made and Christmas parties being attended. There is nothing wrong with all that. But the problem is this, is if you and I begin to make Christmas about us. That is when the stress sets in. That's when the fights happen. That's when people overspend. That's when so many things take place that ought not ever take place in the life of a Christian. I'll say it one more time. Christmas has never been, and it will never be about us. It will always be about Christ. Christ should always be the center of attention. It should always be revolving around Him. The extras, the parameters, all, or the peripherals, all the other things happening around it, that's fine, that's good. Those are just miscellaneous details, though. Every bit of this is supposed to be about Christ. When he humbled himself, took on the form of man, came into this world, and grew up, and eventually died on the cross for our sins, that is why we would celebrate Christmas, because of him, not because of us. Now this morning we can sit here and we can say, that's right, I can preach the message and you can say amen and I can preach the message and say, I'm telling you the truth, people. And you know what we will struggle with? Making it about us. So let me twist this just a little bit and give us something to think about. In the next few days, when you begin to get stressed... When somebody begins to ask you, so what are we doing for Christmas? And you begin to say, I don't know, I'll have to get back with you. Because this is a life-changing, life-altering decision we have to make. And, and, and that begins to stress you out and you begin to worry and you begin to divide the time and all that you have to do during the holidays. When you begin to sense this emotion rising up within you that you know isn't right, tell yourself this, it's not about me. This isn't about me. So I'm not trying to be rude here. I'm not trying to be little, and, and I'm not trying to, to have a, a, a humbug attitude. But, but I'm just saying this. Whenever you start to worry about the decorations, just step back and say, really, do I want to worry about this? This isn't about me. When you began to worry about whether or not you've bought enough gifts for the kids or have we spent the same amount of money on all the kids or the grandkids or whatever it may be, when, when you began to worry about that, just step back and remind yourself, this is not something worth worrying about because this is not about me. 
When you begin to try to make your plans and you're trying to coordinate with everyone and it's looking like, well, so-and-so is not going to be able to show up because we're having it on an off day because so-and-so wouldn't cooperate with us and this is really getting to me and this is really irritating me, just step back and remember it's not about you. It's not about me. It's not. It's about Christ. Is it not? It is. So kind of like what I did at my grandma's birthday. I was able to alleviate all of my stress and all of my worry and all of my concern by getting my focus on who the day was all about. But when it comes to Christmas, you and I can do the exact same thing. We can take a page from Joseph and Mary's book. We can learn from their example. If anyone had reason to be upset or stressed, it should have been Joseph, and it certainly could have been Mary, but she just pondered it in her heart, and she just took it in stride, and she just went with it because she knew it's about him, it's not about me. I just want to tell you, if you want to have a stress-free holiday, if you want to have a stress-free Christmas, if you don't want to have to take blood pressure or nitrogen or anything like that, listen, if you want an easy, easy Christmas, you know what you do? Just remember, it's about him. It's not about you. Now let me say this just very quickly. If you don't want Christmas to be about him, you know, you just want to publicly declare, hey, it's not about him, it is about me, then let me say this. Enjoy all the stress you want to enjoy. I'm serious. Be as miserable as you want to be. If you want to say, you know what, I am totally tired of the Christian aspect of Christmas, and I want to secularize it, and I want to make it all about Santa Claus and the trees and the Christmas and the reindeers and the fun songs, if that's what you want to do, that is your prerogative. But I want to say this as well. You're also welcome to all the stress and anxiety and the frustration that you will experience from now till then. That's not how I want to live. I trust that's not how you want to live. Alleviate the stress. Alleviate the worry. Remember it's about him and it's not about you. Let's all stand this morning and bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, I pray that you'd help us this morning. I know that we still have a few weeks till Christmas. I know that uh, it would be so easy right now to say, that's right, I'm, I'm, I'm going to...